Ashley Brock reading Diary Palmer's book, Lawless, Chapter 10. And you would think that normally this would be the end of the book, but this one's actually longer. I think it has 18 chapters. Things were peaceful around the ranch after the Cattleman's Ball because Judd and Christina Bell weren't speaking. The film crew broke late Thursday, late Tuesday so that everyone could spend Thanksgiving at home. Even the famous model apparently had family somewhere back east because she went too. Christina Bell had expected Tippy to stick close to Judd during the holiday. Since she and Judd weren't speaking, Christina Bell assumed that she and Maudie would have the house to themselves. Judd did turn up on Thanksgiving morning, though, silent and preoccupied. Missing Tippy, Christina Bell thought wickedly. She was polite to him, but that was all. Maudie glared at both of them while she and Christy worked in the kitchen. Something giving, Thanksgiving this is, she scuffed, with the two of you like wrestlers squaring off and looking for a better hold. Judd glared at Christina Bell. She glared right back. Maudie threw up her hands and started working on her pumpkin pie. They ate in a companionable silence. Judd had to half-heartedly watch the Thanksgiving parade, but without any real interest. He was still burning about the murder case. In the lack of suspects, he was worried about Christina Bell as well, especially since Jack Clark had actually come out onto the ranch to confront her. He confronted Nick, and the man had told him about the cut fences as well. Too late, he believed. Too late, he believed her about the poison bull. He should have listened and knew, and not dismissed her worries as childish fantasies. Now that they had two poisoned bulls to deal with, as well as a murdered neighbor, he was worried because there weren't enough men around the place to keep a proper eye on things. Their foreman Nick was good, but he'd been able been away from law enforcement for several years and his senses weren't finely honed by day-to-day -day work situations as judges were. Christina Bell can shoot a gun, true, but what if Clark invaded the house in the middle of the night when she and Maudie were asleep? Could you try a little harder to make my Thanksgiving miserable? Maudie asked both of them after a particularly long time. I mean, if you're gonna do a job, do it right. They look shamefaced. The turkey is just right, Christina felt awful. And the dressing's out of this world, Judd agreed. Maudie looked vaguely placated as she dug into a second helping of mashed potatoes. Have you had any luck finding Hobdonny's killer? Christina asked abruptly. Judd glanced at her and shook his head. Jack Clark was my best suspect. His alibi is ironclad. That's what Cash said. He put down a sport cart. His black eyes bleeding. <laughs> if you could just manage... <laughs> if you could just manage five minutes without mentioning Grier to me, <laughs> she went down her own fork and glanced back at him. He's my friend. Listen, Monty began. He's a black ops survivor with the staying power of a jackrabbit. He'll never be able to settle in a small town. If we could just get along, Maudie continued. What do you know about settling anyway? Christina Bell demanded fiercely. Just how long do you think your high society red-headed companion would last here? Where can you really see her pushing a grocery cart around the local supermarket? She added. Stop it, Maudie. Stop it. Stop it. I am not referring a prize fight over my perfectly cooked turkey. They stopped ten minutes sentence and stared at her. She was standing now with her arms folded and her mouth making a straight line. They glanced at each other and picked up their forks with resignation. Monty sat down. Why should I expect her to settle down here in the first place? Judd muttered half under his breath. Christina about chewed a small piece of turkey. Because she's wearing that diamond and emerald ring you bought her on her engagement finger, and she says our business is now her business, too, she told John Turkey. So when's the wedding? She added sarcastically. Judd didn't say anything. Monty was looking at him as if he'd grown horns. Christina Bell was still chewing. She didn't look up 
pity. His face was a classic study of guilt. He put his foot down, got up, wiping his mouth on his napkin before he put it gently on the table. I have to get back up to Victoria. Happy Thanksgiving. His voice was subdued as a re regrettable look. He sent over Christina's bowed head. Still didn't look up. Grimacing, he glanced at Marty. He was still glaring and walked out the door without dessert. It wasn't until the SUV was moving away. Look, Chrissy sipped coffee and looked at Marty. I didn't know about it being an engagement ring, Marty muttered. She didn't tell you because it wouldn't hurt you, Chrissy said. He didn't think you knew about the ring, did he? Marty guessed. Well, he does now. She said coldly. She got up and started arranging empty dishes and aluminum foil on the counter. Cash refuses my invitation to join us. Thanksgiving, so. For Thanksgiving, so I'm taking supper to him later. Marty wanted to say something, but she wasn't sure what would be appropriate. Chrissy was hurting. Probably Judd was, too. She didn't know why he'd brought the model that expensive ring, but she was sure that he regretted it and that he hadn't wanted Chrissy to know. Perhaps he hadn't expected Tippy to tell her. Men were like that. Marty thought wistfully, so blind to the real nature of women when they had a perceptive rival. If he doesn't file for an annulment soon, I'm going to. Tracy added as she filled a plate. Let him marry her. He'll find out pretty quick that she won't sit around for five years waiting for him to notice her. Marty was a baby. Grier's a low bow wolf. He isn't marrying material. She looked at the older woman Marrying material. Cash is my friend. I really like him, but I wouldn't want to marry him or anything. Judd thinks you would, she sighed. And Grier hopes you would. Tracy's eyes went, You're kidding! <laughs> Marty shook her You haven't seen the way he looks at you. Judd has. It's why he suddenly started being hostile to a man he used to consider a friend. He's jealous, Chrissy. She felt her cheeks go hot, but she turned back to her. Sure he is. That's why he brought her an engagement ring and took her out to the evening on my birthday. And didn't even get me a card, much less a present. Monty wished she had a good excuse for that. She didn't. Neither did the man driving hell for a leather back to Victoria. Judd felt sick to his stomach. He hadn't realized that Tippy would broadcast the fact that he'd raided his meager savings to buy her that expensive babble. Certainly he hadn't wanted Christina Bell to know. She's gone with that luxuries for so long. Just to keep the ranch working. She sacrificed even her youth for it, and he repaid her by buying expensive presents for a woman he barely knew, forgetting Christina Bell's most special birthdays. She was bitter and hurt, and he couldn't blame her. Looking back, his own actions shocked him. No wonder she was turned into Grier. Damn the man! He had everything going for him when it came to attracting women. He could do... And Christ... And craniating Latin dances, he was cultured. He was in a league of his own. As a womanizer, so the Christian Bell didn't know. Or did she? He hit the steering wheel with the palm of his hand, furious at his own inability and interpreted his turbulent feelings. Taking Tippy around flattered his ego, attracted a woman that any bachelor would die to escape. But it was taking a toll on his private life and his professional one. He knew that she wasn't the sort of woman who could live with his job and his lifestyle, even if she'd been physically attracted to him, which she definitely wasn't. She was just used to lecturing life in the fast lane. Funny that she hated Cash Grier when he was exactly the sort of man she needed. But Grier wanted Christina Bell. He could see it every time the older man looked at her. He was smitten. He'd marry her in a heartbeat if she was free. She didn't seem to know, but Judd did. His lips made a thin line as he considered the possibility once he put a signature on a legal paper. Her conscience wouldn't slow her down when she wasn't committed to their paper marriage. He <laughs> can already picture Cash Cry down on his knees. 
brandish Lena Redding wing. Well, Christina Bell could go whistle for her and all, but wasn't going to happen. Not yet, at least. After the new year, they could reassess their positions. When tempers go, right now he still had two murders to solve around the area and no visible, viable suspects. But he knew the murder of the Victorian woman and the brutal death of Hob Downey were connected. It would make things easier if it wasn't also worried about the poisoning of the cattle he co-owned with Christine about and her discovery of poor old Hob Downey's body. He knew the Clarks had been linked with cattle poisoning before, so despite their ironclad allies, he couldn't dismiss the Clarks as his prime suspects. But he knew better than most people how dangerous circumstantial evidence could be. He was angry at Jack Clark for the conversation conversation with Christina Bell. At least that's why what an impartial outsider would make of an any accusation coming from him. If only there was just one shred of physical evidence that would lead them to either of the brothers. But to date there wasn't any. He thought back to Thanksgiving dinner, felt miserable that he let himself fly at Christina Bell like that. It was the mention of Grier. She couldn't have a single conversation without dragging the man's name into it. If only there were some way to get Grier out of Jacksonville for good. But he hadn't had a clue how to accomplish it, nor did he realize then why he even wanted to do it. Chrissy had Thanksgiving supper with Grier and then went home and phoned the Hearts. Leo wasn't home, so she tried Ray Hart. She curious about the Hearts' Japanese connection connections in their interest in overseas markets. Ray was marketing vice president, and nobody knew more than he did about opening up new avenues of profit. I wondered if you and Judd might be interested in this opportunity. Ray replied when he asked about the visiting Dick Tarnies. Cy Parks was too, but he's already contracted his cattle for the next year and so after the trim remains. Your stairs would be perfect if you're interested. You're like us. You race organic beef. That's just what our contracts want for their restaurant chain in Okasaka in to Tokyo. All right, Skip. Does the market pay well? He chuckled. Pays very well indeed, he said. Especially now. Japan suffered some losses in its own beef resources last year. Now it's starting again. They're looking for stud cattle as well as prime organic beef. This is the best time to form alliances. He quoted her price. She had to sit down. Oh, that's just extraordinary. She said, Emily, we've been selling at a loss for so long now. Tell me about it, Rayfly. Interested. Yes, so will Judd be. So will Judd be when he hears about it. Suppose the two of you come over here tomorrow about one and meet with our guests. There's Dame with Corrigan and Dory. Could we possibly do it Saturday? I'm off from school tomorrow for holidays, but Judd has to work. Sorry, I forgot. Sure, Saturday at one. That suit you? Yes. Oh, Ray, <laughs> you don't know how grateful we are. So we get... Everybody's having a hard time right now. He imposed. Why do you think we're looking so fondly at overseas markets? We'll all be helping each other out, which is what cattlemen and cattle women do. Isn't it? She's not. It is. I wish we could do something for you. Well, you could. What? She hasn't even bring Cash Driver with you. He's flown in Japanese as well as we aren't. And I'd like to have someone from our side translate as well as someone from their side. Just to make sure we don't misunderstand anything. She chuckled. Cash would love to. Great. We'll see you Saturday at 1 then. He hung up and she ground her teeth together. She knew Cash would go if she asked, but it wasn't going to make things easier with Judd. Still, there was any hope of pulling their operation out of the red. This was it. It was like a gift from heaven. She dialed Judd's number before she got cold feet. It rang several times. She was about to hang up when she heard his deep voice on the other end. We've got a marketing opportunity, she said quickly. There was a pause. What sort? She outlined the hard steel and the profit to be made and then waited for an answer. I don't speak Japanese, he began. 
neither do I, but they have translators, she added, mentally praying that she wouldn't have to mention cash. It happened, blow up in her face again. He made a rough sound. Grier speaks fluently. We might take him along and let him translate, if you can talk him into it. He added with thought, then they vowed sarcasm. The hearts already did, she pre-advocated. They want to make sure they understand all the details. Oh, you seem to relax. There was another one. About dinner, he said so. I didn't mean to jump down your throat like that. <laughs> he never apologized. This was as close as he was ever likely to come. She smiled to herself. Me too, she said stiffly. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, there's another one. Would you marry Grier? <laughs> her chops, excuse me. If he asked, she couldn't make her mind work. The question was clearly out of left field. Forget it, she said abruptly when she has. It's none of my business. Once the element goes through, I'll see you about 12.30 Saturday. Okay, I'll be hung up. She glared at the phone and put it down. He was the most exasperated man she had ever known. But at least they were speaking again. Grier agreed readily to accompany him, but he went in his own vehicle. Judd drove Christine about over to the sprawling heart ranch in his SUV. He was wearing his work clothes. So, uh, work clothes to her surprise. I'm on a case, he told her. I'm on a, I'm on a case, he told her. I asked off just long enough to do this, but I have to get, go right back. Another murder, she asked. He should have. The same one we think we may have to lead. There was a witness who saw a suspicious truck hanging around outside the woman's house. Did she live in town, in Victoria? Yuka said. She and her husband had a little ranch outside the city limits. We're trying to find out if the Clark brothers ever worked for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they were involved somehow, she said. He scrawled intently. Don't mention this new development to anyone, period. She wanted to tell Grier, but the look was intimidating. Okay, nobody else. Right. Turn his attention back to him. Things may be looking up after all. If we can make this deal, they certainly will, she replied. Imagine a price like that for exporting our beef to another country when we can't even get it away here. <laughs> it's a minor miracle and we needed one. She almost bit her lip. They're not they're, they're not agreeing with him. The ring he brought Tippy was eaten into the very marrow of her bones. The lack of operating capital was a real threat and Judd had compromised the ranch with that sparkling gift. He had to know it without being told. Ray says these gentlemen are very nice and honorable businessmen, she added before he had time to wonder at her silence. He knows the hearts are savvy businessmen. They know a good deal when they see one, he glanced at her curiously. Did Ray call you? She shook her head. I heard these businessmen were going to be out at their ranch hoping to buy organic beef. It seemed the right thing to phone the hearts and ask if we could get in on their deal, she flushed. I didn't think about how... Pushy, it sounded till just now. Sounds like competent business thinking. If I had a fewer murders to contend with, I might have thought of it myself. He changes up. Have you heard from Joel Hamp Harper about when the film crew's coming back? Yes, he said they'd be back December 4th. She replied tersely. It's like eyes met hers before they went back to the Christmas. will be here before we know it. He remarked, thinking about the pretty pearl necklace, stud earring, said he bought it for a combination late birthday and Christmas present. It was pure gold with pink pearls, her favorite. She was going to love it. She said out the window, so will. She was wondering if the beautiful supermodel had plans for him that would include that holiday, but she couldn't afford to let him know her worries. He didn't want her. She wasn't throwing herself at him. Pulled up at the Hart Ranch office building and cut off the engine. She jumped down from her side just as Cash pulled up next to them in his pickup truck. He was in uniform, obviously working today. I hear him in demand as a translator. He teaches Chris. He's going back down. 
You're just translating us a good deal, and I'll recommend you to anybody you like, he chuckled. Judd turned away from both of them who went toward the office. The Japanese corporation executives were charming and highly intelligent. Both of them spoke English. All the nuances of idiom and Texas draw were formidable opponents of real understanding. Cash spoke the language with fluency. That brought the lighted smiles from the Japanese, even from the two translators. Seemed right at home, down to the custom of bowing instead of shaking hands, and knowing exactly how to phrase questions without offending. Mr. Koshi would like both of you to be his guests in Okasaka in January. Cash told Christina Bojet, if you agree, he'll sign one of his staff to help you with arrangements, meet you at the airport, and conduct you around Okasaka. When you see his facilities and meet his family and staff, you'll sign a formal agreement. That's an expensive trip, Cash. <laughs> he can This is our. How do you say it? Treats, Mr. Kodo told him with my. It is the way we do business. Judd was still scrolling. I work in law enforcement. He began. Yes, you are Texas Ranger. The older gentleman said excitedly. We read about your rangers and watch American movies of Texas. Just yes, so I can't accept gifts. You can make me a gift of two tickets. Christina Bell said. I will take him with me to Japan. Christina Bell. Judd began. She drew him to one side and glared at him. We're still married for the moment. She said forcefully. What I own, you own. If I get two tickets, I can give one to anyone I like, which includes you. Even your boss can't complain if your wife gives you a present. All you have to do is ask for personal time off. So go with me. He hesitated. He glanced at Grier, who was watching with great interest. He cared to him that Grier would be an even better travel companion for her because he also spoke Japanese. His eyes began to burn. Look down. All right, I don't like it, but I'll do it. <laughs> it isn't if Mr. Corsair is going to ask you to rub a bank for him or do personal favor for him either. She pointed out, this is ranch business, Judd, and if we don't go, there isn't going to be a ranch for much longer. He couldn't argue with that. He wanted to, but she was right. He hated the thought of giving up his uncle's legacy in her birthright because he was too stubborn to admit she was right. Neither could he admit that his exaggerates that hurt them even more. I'll go, he said, Emily. but, yeah, I'm going to tell my boss the circumstances first. <laughs> she smiled happily. Can't imagine you're being less than honest with anyone, she replied. His heavy posture again. I haven't been honest with you, he said slowly. Cheeks flushed. She rubbed her face. And all the old bitterness came back. Your private life isn't my concern anymore. Judd, let's just concentrate on the ranch. Started and went back to the others before he could say another word. The weekend and the following week came and went, and in no time, the film crew was back. Chrissy glared at Tippy Moore for all she was worth, and when she got home from school, especially when Judd showed up at the end of the first day of filming, drive Tippy to her hotel. It was the same old thing all over again, just when Chrissy had hoped that she and Judd were finally starting over with a Japanese deal. Fat chance with the Georgia Firefly on the job. She was still wearing the damn ring, too. Chrissy threw herself into her studies, tried to ignore what was going on second around her. She began to feel that the movie people were going to leave with them forever, and her nerves were wearing thin. Cash came by early one morning, Monday morning, a couple weeks into filming, and the crew was just breaking for coffee and donuts when he pulled up in front of the house. Cash was in uniform and looked somber. Chrissy's class for the day had been canceled, and she was at home, trying not to get in the way. She went to meet him. She was in jeans and a sweatshirt with hair and a neat braid at her back. This is a pleasant surprise, she told him with a smile. What's up? Nothing, nurse shaking, but I need to talk to you.
He drew over to one side. Have you heard what happened Saturday night? No, she said surprised. I didn't go to school today because my teacher was sick, so I've been isolated from any news. It seems that Jack Clark made a pass at Jamie Brewster out of Shay's Bar and Roadhouse, knocked her around, threatened her with a knife as well. I've got him in jail. Poor Janie, she said shocked. But how lucky for her that he's locked up. Lucky for me, too, she says there was one. We arrested him. I did, he confessed. After Leo Hart and Harley Fowler both had... A go at him. The man is a martial artist, very competent. I use tricks I've almost forgotten, taking him down. She was still sabering the news. She's been a little afraid of Jack Clark. Now she was safe. So was poor Janie. His brother John came down late last night to visit him in jail. He promised to get him a good attorney. He sighed. He's going to have a little trouble with that. It seems he may lose his job in Victoria. God knows where he thinks he'll get the money for a trial lawyer. You look very worried, she pointed out. Speak closer, where you of the red-headed supermodel of the rainbow. What is it, Cash? He rested his hand on the handle of his forty-five automatic in its holster and a dude about Chrissy. John Clark has a friend who drives a black pickup truck with a red stripe. End of chapter 10